Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, um, Jake. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at JakeJack with two N's, and I write for EPL Index. Hi, everybody. My name is Thomas Boff. I'm the editor of WallsBlog.com, a fan site dedicated to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, you can find me at WallsBlog.com or at Twitter forward slash or at WallsBlog. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. Uh, I wanted to start off by talking about Chelsea. We were very praiseworthy early on in the season. They jumped out to a really hot start. They were in the top four, praising Lampard, doing a really good job going back to his former club as a player, as a manager, and doing well. Not so easy of late, winning just one of their last five matches in the league. Uh, which do you think was more accurate to their actual ability, the, the beginning or the back half? And why do you think they've started to struggle? Um. I think it's a difficult one with Chelsea. I think that um, the fact they're in the top four now is still a really good achievement considering, you know, no, uh, not being able to sign any players. Um, Hazard leaving who was probably the best player in the league last season. So the fact they are in the top four uh, and have got through to the next stage of Champions League, regardless of their recent disappointing run, I think you can still say that it's it's been a good start to the season and they're, Lampard's doing a, a pretty good job. Um, and if you dive deeper... Um, into some of the stats, I think that they, for me, uh, a lot of the, the the indicative stats that you sort of look at, expected goals, shots in the box, stuff like that, Chelsea cover pretty well. They probably rank uh, it's the third best team uh, in terms of expected goals this season, um, higher than Leicester, uh, behind only Liverpool and Manchester City. So if you, if you look at that, you you got to think that it, it, they are a very good team in the recent run. Um, probably been a little bit of bad luck i think the everton game they were outplayed um but if you the the games against bournemouth and west ham they, they had the chances to win that um and i think it's the recent drop off has just been a, a turn in their finishing whereas it was quite efficient at the start of the season um the game away at wolves obviously they scored five that thomas uh, will remember they they were scoring quite freely away from home and, and They've always seemed to have these struggles at Stamford Bridge, um, dropping points against Leicester near the start, Sheffield United. Um, then the two recent losses to West Ham and Bournemouth, it seems to be a problem at Stamford Bridge, which is, which is the main one for them at the moment. But I don't think they were bad in either one of those games. They certainly created the chances to win. But I think if you're going to, if you don't take your chances, um, especially if you're a big team and it stays at nil-nil, the, the, the smaller team will always sort of get that confidence and um after the West Ham game, obviously, when it got to nil-nil about 10 minutes ago yesterday, Bournemouth probably quite believed that they could go on and get the winner, and they did. So I'm, I'm not, I don't think it's, there's been a turn too much. I just think that they've been poor in front of goal in the last couple of weeks, and it's, they've been punished for it. And at the back at the moment, they can't really keep a clean sheet. I think they must might have only kept one or two this season in the league, and I know it's not been good at all. So 
if if they're not scoring goals, they're probably not going to be able to to get points because their defence is not reliable. Um, and in the way that Lampard set up, they are quite um, they're very open, I think. Um, and they're open. Um, I think it's deliberate in that, that he expects his team to go on and score more than the opposition. Um, and he doesn't mind conceding one because he expects his team to go on to score at least two, and they just haven't been doing that. I think Pulisic especially has been quite poor in the last few weeks. Um, and it, I think it's just a bit of a confidence thing at the moment. Um, but I don't think they're a bad team. I still think they're playing quite well. And for me, I'd still I'd still expect them to get into that top four. I think that the main worry for them is that they've got Tottenham next and Tottenham are the team that could that could t- you know beat them uh, and go into that top four. I think that uh, Mourinho there is doing a really, really good job. Um, getting them a little bit harder to beat in there. They, I mean, I mean today's game, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. They they didn't play great, but they still managed to win. I think he's building that winning mentality slowly. Um, but I still think Chelsea are, are, are a good team. Um, I think they've just been quite unlucky in the last few weeks. And if you don't take your chances, you're always at risk of, of going on to lose, as they have done. Yeah, I suppose I'd probably take a bit more of a dimmer view of Chelsea than than perhaps Jake's outlining there. Um, I, I think, I suppose I look at the struggles Tottenham have had and Man United have had and Arsenal had. And I was thinking about it, about Chelsea and thinking, how have they managed to avoid this? Because by all accounts, they should be getting sucked down into that vacuum of teams, you know, the, the Wolves, the, the Leicesters, you know, teams like this who are sort of, getting in amongst them and, and maybe they're finding it a bit hard to get results. It seemed at the start of the season, they were brushing teams aside a lot easier. They brushed us aside, um, albeit there were things in that game that kind of went against us. But I just kind of think it was always going to happen. You know, they've got a young team. I don't think Frank Lampard knows his best 11 quite yet. I think he, he's, he's got players who he, he, he favours, but there's still people coming in, in and out of that team. I think the... Rudiger was back in yesterday in that back four, and then they've they've tried different combinations in midfield with Kante and um, uh, Kovacic has been in and out. So I think he's still trying to find the right combination. They've, they've even though they haven't brought in players, I feel like they've got a surplus of players in certain areas, and then they're lacking in other areas. And I think they need to rebalance the the squad. But I mean, the the although Jake correctly points out that statistically against Bournemouth and West Ham they could have won those games they're ranked performances really I mean those are two pretty hopeless spineless teams away from home who you would think you they've got to be put to sleep you know you can't you can't have Bournemouth and West Ham in consecutive home games you know basically running out with without conceding a goal you know it's 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 ridiculous that they're, they're poor performances and I watched the game at Everton I thought they were completely ranked there as well so I think Lampard's got some some problems he needs to solve there um and I, I suppose as well at the start of the season there was the element of surprise with them because they had all these players who were getting a chance the young lads you know Abraham Mount and Pulisic was coming in and I think teams didn't really know what to expect from Chelsea and it's probably that they're a bit more predictable now. And maybe teams think if that they sit in, they know the patterns of play, they know how Chelsea are going to set themselves up and, and they're easy to pick off, um, you know, when, and figure them out. So so I think there's probably a combination of, of that, that they're, be, they're probably a bit stale and predictable after after a flying start to the season. And I do think they're now, basically, they're, they're, they're back in with that ruck of teams, your Tottenham's, Man United, Chelsea's. I think that that's going to be a real scrap now for 
for that fourth place. Um, and actually, now I, I don't don't think Chelsea will get it unless they do some business in in January. Because I just I still look at the squad and think it's a bit lopsided. And I think Tottenham have a more cohesive setup, um, and even Man United to an extent if they can actually get their best eleven on the pitch consistently. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see what what happens with uh, with Chelsea. Yeah, I think it also kind of further accentuates the divide that existed last season as well, where it was City and Liverpool. Obviously, Leicester have jumped up into that this season, but that's the same core group of teams again of Chelsea and United and Tottenham. Arsenal aren't actually even that close at the moment, but obviously Wolves have been performing very well, which we'll talk about in a bit with Thomas. But it is also an extension of what happened last year with those groups being kind of clearly separate. And I don't think at any point we thought that... um, Chelsea, even with their hot start, belong to be part of that top tier, um, but very wholly landing in that kind of middle group, uh, as you both say. All right, uh, next I wanted to talk a little bit about the other end of the table. So Watford have been playing very poorly, are already on their third manager of the season. Not yet cut adrift, though, with their nine points. Um, But assuming that they're the favorites, which other teams do you think should be a little bit worried as we come here to the halfway point? Um, I think there's a few teams, um, definitely a few teams down there that, that should worry. I think if you're looking sort of at that bottom half of the table, you'd say that Everton and West Ham are probably going to go on and, and clear themselves of it. I think they've got too much ability. Uh, I'd expect Pellegrini to go at some point in the next few months, and that, that'll probably give them the impetus to push on. And then Everton, I think, you know, they've just got too much ability, and they've, and depending on what they do in the managerial situation, they should be all right. Um, the rest of the teams, I think Bournemouth for one I was worried about until yesterday, but that was quite a big win for them. Um, just sobbed that run of defeats. Um, but I think it is, it's still really difficult. I think if you look at that bottom three, you'd still have to probably say that those bottom three are the favourites to go down. Um, I think with Norwich, they're a very, very weird team in that they seem to turn up against the better teams, but when they're playing teams around them, then they're really not very good at all. Um, you know, just in re- in the last six or seven games, they've lost to Southampton uh, and Watford, um, the other two teams in the bottom three. So they seem to be a team for the big occasion, but they're not consistent enough. Uh, and they just seem like that type, that team that comes up from, from the championship has a few big days and just goes back down. I think they're far too open. They concede too many goals. Um, but I don't think they're ever going to be completely cut adrift just because they, they, they do seem to... They've got the attacking talent to, to cause problems, but I think they're they're probably going to go down. I think with Southampton, so Southampton remind me a lot of Newcastle when we've been down before, and that they've been sleepwalking towards this for a while. Um, and mm-hmm. I just don't think the players there completely buy into it. When I saw them playing the stuff last week, they, their defense is very soft. Um, like I remember after the game, Hassan who said something about um, there's only one team playing football and we brought on a 10-foot tall striker. But if it's as easy to, to break you down to bring on a, a tall striker and launch log balls, then you're probably not good enough to be a, a Premier League team. And that, and I, I think that weakness has sort of been noticed uh, in the last few weeks. That, that Even the games against Watford and Norwich that they won, they easily could have dropped points in both of those matches. So I'm, I'm really not convinced by them. Um, and I think they've just been it's been coming. If it doesn't happen this season, it will happen next season. I just don't see them turning it around. I think Hassan Hutter was the one that I thought could have done 
but it's just not really going anywhere. Um, you know, any team that loses a game nine nil, regardless of the circumstances, is, is, there's a lot of problems there. And, and although there's been a few decent results recently, uh, I just don't think it's enough. Um, and I think they're probably going to be the third one to go down. I think Aston Villa, uh, Aston Villa, another one I probably worry about as well. But they seem to, in McGinn and Grealish, have got really two really good central midfielders there. And, they sort of can win any game. Um, they're certainly uh, on their day, they're very good. So I think that they'll probably get enough points to stay up. I'd, if Newcastle hadn't had their crazy run a few weeks ago with you know, seven points in nine days uh, or, or nine points, um, seven points in nine points available, sorry, I, I would have thought we'd have been down there. But I now think with 22 points after 17 games, I think even if we are, do have a, a worse second half of the season, which I probably expect, I think we'll probably be all right. Because um, we've already got that seven points gap. Um, so yeah, I think it's probably the three that are down there. I think it's easy to say that, but all of them, I think Watford, they've got too much to do. And I think that for a team to have only scored nine goals at this point in the season is 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 very very poor, um, very poor. <laughs> so I, I just can't see them turn around. I think with Norwich, they just they don't have enough quality, and they're just one of those Championship clubs that do get wins and have a few good days, but ultimately won't have the consistency to stay up and I think Southampton it's, it's been coming for a while and it, the last two games against us and uh, West Ham yesterday they're two very winnable games and to take nothing out of those games after two wins is, is poor and I think that it's it's their time Yeah I'd agree with all that um, I think uh, Watford have the quality but none of their managers have yet managed to organise them properly it's the same team that finished well, I think they finished in the top half last season. We were a very good competitive outfit last year and it's just gone to pot. So something's gone wrong there and the points tally is too much to recover. You know, they're barely going to have double figures going into the second half of the season, probably. Um, that's problematic for them. Uh, I don't think South, Southampton and Norwich, I just don't think I've got enough quality. It's as simple as that. I watched the Southampton-West Ham game. Uh, uh, well, I watched the first half, I should say, and then I, I caught bits of the second. But West Ham were all over them in the first half. It looked like a, you know, a decent team against a team that was struggling when West Ham should have been the ones who had a lot more pressure on them. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the three, if everything goes as it probably seems like it'll play out, then it'll be those three teams. Um, Villa's next three games are against the bottom three. Um, because I'm obviously a uh, friendly neighbour of uh, Aston Villa, so I'll keep an eye out for their results. And uh, so that's going to be massive for them over Christmas because they've had a pretty naff run of fixtures so far. That's played Chelsea and Man United recently and Leicester, obviously. Um, and Sheffield United away is a pretty nasty fixture. So, But if they come out the other side of Christmas, having not got a favourable points return against Southampton, Watford and Norwich, then um, then I think you've got to worry for them. And the funny thing about Villa, as, as Jake said, they've got two good midfielders in Grealish and um, McGinn. Uh, but I, I think they're very light outside of those players. I mean, Mings is injured now. And you're suddenly looking at that back four and thinking, I'm not sure about that. Uh, Wesley hasn't done it for them at the top end of the pitch. You know, they spent a lot of money in the summer, you know, performed pretty serious surgery on on the team that got promoted. And I just wonder with them, I think... it. it, it it shouldn't go wrong for them because they've got the nucleus of a decent team. And like Jake says, they actually look like they can beat anyone on their day. 
But I just worry that they're going to be architects of their own downfall through, you know, Smith not quite getting the team selections right and the balance right. And they could go into a spiral. But this next, so I will predict now if Villa don't get a favourable return from the next three, they, they're going to have a very tricky um, end to the season. But, um, you know, possibly someone like Bournemouth could get, could get in there, but I just think they might get their players back at some point. And then if they do, they do get a decent team out. They're always liable to picking up some wins at home. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd probably agree with Jay. The three that are there, but then possibly Villa if they throw it away. Yeah, it'll be certainly one to watch, but as I mentioned, it, it isn't like previous seasons where there's clearly teams cut adrift at the bottom. It just kind of seems kind of like that group we were talking about just outside uh, the top four or battling for it. It just seems like a whole mess of teams. Just 9 to 15 points, you got Villa, Southampton, Norwich, and Watford, all of which you mentioned, obviously. And then there's not like a huge gap to the group above that either. So definitely everything still in play at the bottom of the table as well. Uh, and then as we come to the end of 2019, we're, we're getting there anyway. I was just curious to hear what each of your favorite moments were from your club from this year. Yeah, I've mean that many good moments for Newcastle, to be honest. Um I mean, that's the only one I can think of. Um, I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm pretty sure it happened this year, but it's difficult to remember. <laughs> it's the win over Man City, which I think did happen in January. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure. Um, that was a good day. I think, you know, to come from behind to beat the the champions and then the, the, the ultimate team that were going to go on and win the league again, uh, to come from behind uh, at home. And I think it was their only it was their last final defeat of the season in the league, so it was probably the turning point in the league title as well, and that they went on, on that long run afterwards. But really good performance, and, and just showed everything that Newcastle can be. But we're not very often um, in the Mike Ashley era, so that was a it was a rare good day. But it was, and of course, Raffles manager. So that as 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 well as Steve Bruce has kind of done this year since taking it on, it was so much nicer when we had Raffles manager, um, and the wins kind of were were celebrated more vibrantly than they are now but yeah that was a good day and I think that since then there's been a few decent ones you could probably say this year that the win over Manchester United was a, a, a really nice day because we obviously had a, a Matty Longstar scoring on his debut which which is nice in, in a home win over Manchester United you can they never get old uh, despite Manchester United's decent uh, recent slip down the league table they're still still the team to beat for many uh, so that was a good day and then the the win at Tottenham as well was a nice one. Um, I don't recall and, that. And again, the home draw against Manchester City. I think that was a, another good one. Uh, Shelby's goal right at the end. The fact it was a last-minute equaliser. We're normally the team dropping points at the last minute. So if actually, to actually have got something back in the last minute was nice. So there's a few decent days for Newcastle in 2019. But yeah, probably probably the one against Manchester City last season is the one. Yeah, I'd... Uh... You know, I don't want to be beating up Man City too much, but our win at the Etihad uh, a few months ago just ignited our season completely. Um, we've had a pretty slow, dire start to the season, lots of draws. Um, and we, I can't remember the sequence of results, but anyway, we, we went to, yeah, that was it. We beat, we beat Watford to get our first win of the season. And then we, I kind of expected us to go and get absolute shellacking at the Etihad. And, uh, you know, we beat them and seeing the actual individual moment was seeing the Dharma Traore run away from their defence when they were pressing high because we'd already got the lead through Adama's first goal. And then 
just that moment of realization that it was two on one and Jimenez was about to slip Triore in with the whole of their half of their pitch to run into and just realizing, well, they're not going to catch him. And then thinking, well, he's probably not going to find two finishes in the same game. Um, and then seeing him just slide the ball past Edison and realizing you're going to win at, at the Etihad, which is kind of unheard of, really. Um, that was that's the that's the pinnacle. That's the best result we've had under Nuno. And there's been a lot of good ones, to be fair. Um, but that that actually kickstarted our season, and that obviously the we didn't lose from two matches before that right through to today. So um, it, it's been a it's been a good run, and it's put us you know back where. I feel we probably should be around-ish in the table, you know, mid sort of top half. So, um, yeah, so Dharma Traore, second goal at the Etihad. Yeah, rough listening for the City fans, but don't worry. Tottenham didn't beat you with that. Oh, well, we drew a couple times and <laughs> one of them advances in the Champions League. So, yeah, just a just a bad time to be a City fan, I guess, <laughs> as we recap our 2019s. I suppose they won a couple trophies, though, so it's probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> they right. won all of them, basically. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah we will leave things there and then we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with club specific questions for each of our guests hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, and we are back. Jake wanted to talk to you a little bit about Newcastle. Firstly, very nice to be on with you because you keep replacing me when I'm not on, so... Nice to chat with you. Uh, regarding Newcastle, I'm sure you've seen it. It was a, a stat floating around earlier in the week that at this stage, you have nine more points than you did last season under Rafa Benitez. And I was curious why you think that's the case, because obviously people consider one to be a far superior manager. Um, I think there's a couple of reasons why. Um, I think the main one is probably luck. We've been quite lucky in the games that we've actually won this season. Um I don't think there's been a game where we've been clearly the better team, um, even in the, you know, as I mentioned, expected goals to Chelsea earlier, but um, with Newcastle as the second worst team in terms of expected goals. So that that shows sort of the fact we're in 11th is probably a little bit of a false position, but I will take it because football is, is a game that, isn't doesn't isn't always fair and you and I think the main the main reason maybe why we've managed to win these tight games when perhaps we haven't deserved to is I think you've you'd fail to find a team of a, a better team spirit or, or when we have at Newcastle and that was sort of built by Rafa um, so for a team to sort of set up and play without the ball so much and stay in their shape and just to, to stay in games I think it's quite an important um quality to have especially if you're not one of the better teams and we are terrible to watch i'm not it, it, it is awful um 
I think we when I saw it, it must have been about 60 minutes against Burnley. We had, we'd had more possession than them, which is not a good sign because we're normally down at like 20, 30 percent possession. But we do stay in games, and I think that the big signing for us has maybe approved us uh, was say Maximum, who I'm sure we'll probably talk about a little bit in a in a in a bit um, about his injury. But he's added a lot to us. Um, and for a team to just sit back and play on the counter attack, to have a player that can carry the ball long distances, beat a couple of couple of players is really important. And I think that he him being in the team has often created um, indecision and, and panic in in the opposition defence. Um, and that does sort of lead to mistakes being made, and that's definitely happened. I think that our set pieces have been better. We've been scoring a lot of goals from our defence. Um, and I think that Clark and Fernandez coming into the team probably offer a little bit more at set pieces than maybe um, the players they've replaced. So they've been big additions uh, and got a few big goals. But I think it's just sort of the the team spirit and the, the desire you see when you watch Newcastle. You very rarely see us um, get beaten 3 or 4 nil. I think it happened against Leicester. Um, but that was when we changed to a uh, back four formation, which just didn't suit the players at all. And, and we had a man sent off there as well. So it it was probably not as... If we'd had 11 men, we probably wouldn't have been beaten by so many. But yeah, I think that Steve Bruce has sort of learned that these players, they've got limits, but even though they've got limits, they can sort of be used to win games. Um, and we'd be playing a very similar way to how we did under Rafa anyway. So it's, I think, uh, yeah, I think we've been a little bit lucky, but I also think the Premier League's very poor. And, and if you stay in games, you, your opposition teams often make a lot of mistakes. I don't think Newcastle are a team that make those mistakes. So I think maybe the lack of those mistakes uh, and the fact that teams we played against often do make the, those mistakes, it, it has been big for us. Um, I also think Shelby coming back in has added a lot of creativity and he's upped his game a lot this season. He's already got five goals, which without looking, I'd probably say it's his best Premier League scoring season already. So he, he's been a big addition. I think that him and St. Maximin in the team does, does just make the threat going forwards. Even if we don't have the ball very often, we do seem to carry that threat. Well, you've handed me a very easy segue there because my next question was going to be about St. Maximin. Uh, you mentioned in the pre-show that um, you haven't won a match in which he hasn't played. Obviously, he's injured now. Uh, was just curious how tactically or personnel-wise you think Newcastle will fill his absence. Um, I think it's it's going to be very difficult. I don't think there's there's a like-for-like replacement for him. Um, and the annoying thing is he got injured in, in what was, I think it was the last minute of the Southampton game. So... If Steve Bruce had, had maybe brought him off, we, we wouldn't be in that position, uh, especially as he went into, into the game with an injury. A little bit of poor management there, but it, you know, it's easy to say in hindsight. If he had come through, then nobody would be saying that. But yeah, he's going to be a big miss. I think he's going to be out to the new year at least. So um, it's a very big miss. I think Atsu came in yesterday and he's done all right this season. I think he's definitely improved over the last year. He, he seems to be a little bit more threatening in attack. He's got three assists, which... He's been involved in more go- goals than either St. Maximum or Alma on the season, so in, in fewer minutes. So there's that going for him. I think he's a, he's fine, but I don't think he has that explosiveness or the ability to beat a, a defender that St. Maximum has. So it's it's going to be difficult to see how we manage that. I think that going forward, it might it might be that we move Jolinton. Um, but this is what I'd like to see us do anyway. I think I'd like to see us play Jolinton on the right, which we did yesterday. I think that. He needs to be taken out of that sole striker role because it's not working for him. He's not used to it and he just looks completely lost up there. So if we play him in a wide role, which I think he played at Hoffenheim quite a lot, we might see an improvement from him. Nearly got an assist yesterday for Dwight Gale, so that, that was a positive. Um, it was one that Gale should have scored. So yeah, it was, it was good to see him 
sort of create that chance, um, maybe give him a little bit of confidence. And I think I'd like to see Almiron on the left where St. Maximin plays. I think that's where he played most of his football in the MLS. He, he, uh, and he plays there for Paraguay. He's a lot better there, um, a lot more at home. And I think that we'd see a lot more from him. So I think that's probably what, how I'd like to see us go. Um, and then with Carroll or Gale up front, depending on um, if we can play Carroll, because he's probably not going to get through 90 minutes very often, uh, especially in the next few weeks when we've got a lot of games coming up. So, yeah, I think, I think I'd like to see us go with that uh, and use Almiron over there. I think that that's where he prefers to play. Uh, and it might be that he can really push himself on and, and finally prove himself in Newcastle shirt. Um, in St. Maximum's absence, I'd quite like to see that. Um, but yeah, it's a difficult to manage. I don't think we've got a like for like replacement for him. And I think that whatever, you know, until he gets back, we're just going to have to find a way to to create and to, to score goals without him. Because although we've got that nice gap to the bottom three at the moment, it does quickly go. So we need to make sure we keep breaking up points, especially with some of the games we've got over Christmas. We've got a few winnable games, so it is crucial that we find a way to go. I don't think we found it yesterday. Um, although I don't think we were that bad. I think that, you know, a nil-nil draw probably would have been a fair result. But, yeah, if you're not scoring goals, you're always at risk of losing, as we did yesterday. That is certainly true. Uh, Thomas, coming to you next. Uh, unfortunate defeat for you today when you played so well against Tottenham. Of course, Wolves known in their recent tenure in the Premier League for upsetting big teams I did see some people saying that this match may have actually been a better performance from you than the win against City that you mentioned earlier would you agree with that assessment well I think against Man City we we sat back and picked them off on the break this was kind of uh we're going to stand toe to toe with you because we think we've probably got as much quality and we can just beat you we were at home we were unbeaten in 11 and and we did you know we, we got at Tottenham um from the from the very start, I thought we were lucky to be behind. I mean, Lucas scored a, a very good individual goal. You don't see many of those where someone just put, puts the ball in the roof of the net um, from a fairly acute angle. So that was a bit of class. Um, and yeah, we were we were on top. I don't think I don't think even the most ardent Tottenham fan would would disagree with the fact that we were good value for our equaliser. Um, but unfortunately. We didn't make it pay in either penalty area and it Tottenham did always look like they might expose us, you know, on the break or in the, you know, in the transitions. And, you know, we went to sleep from a set piece, you know, which was kind of our own undoing because, um, you know, Troy already got injured. He was down in the Spurs penalty. And for some inexplicable reason, our players started messing around with the ball and not just kicking it out of play. And then Kane got it back. We lose a free kick. That leads to the corner and we lose the game. You know, if we just boot the ball out of play, Tottenham had no chance to put the ball in the box for the winner. So, um, you know, it was a frustra- it's frustrating, really, you know, because we did play very well. It was a, you can't really fault any of the players individually. Um, but yeah, it, it probably was a better performance than Man City in one sense, in the sense that it was a more complete footballing performance, but um, not with the result, unfortunately. Yeah, apologies on that, and but would agree that I, I, you are the better team for a great majority of that match, to be sure. Um, unfortunately, you didn't pick up a win midweek either, but enough for you to advance into the next round of the Europa League. Uh, a lot of people have talked about in the past what a drain the Europa League can be on your league form, but you've seemed to somehow kind of repel that theory, at least thus far. Why do you think you've been able to do that? 
Uh, I don't know the answer <laughs> because normally the answer is you have a squad, you utilize the squad, you rotate players in and out. We were able to do that this week because we were already guaranteed to go through, and, but we still used Jota and he came on and got some goals. But um, I don't know. I think they're, they're just the, the, the backroom staff and the players are just very good at with their recovery, very dedicated. I think we've got a really good group of players at Wolves, a really good group of professionals. Jake talked about the team spirit at, at Newcastle, but I think that's equally true at, at Wolves. These players are brilliant and they've got the quality as well. So when you've got quality players who are dedicated to the cause, very much united, all in it together, it, it makes for a very formidable um, outfit. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I just think we've we've just somehow been able to do it. I th- I, I can't I can't really come up with a uh, a smart answer, you know, because we've we've got the smallest squad in the Premier League. I do think we could do with adding a couple of bodies in in the January, which I think we will do uh, to to keep us competitive. But um, but I think it's just quality players and a good coach, and they're all comfortable in the system. There's no you know there's no change. Everyone knows what they've got to do, and I think that certainty is breeding confidence and ultimately results. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, though, when it's like, why is this working? Because as you say, usually it's being able to rotate basically a full squad between midweek and and the weekend, which you certainly haven't been able to do. Uh, You mentioned potentially bringing in players to bolster that squad in January. Do you think that would be in a loan capacity or do you think you're looking for long-term signings? Uh, I don't know really. Um, normally, Wolves have, have been making a look, you know, good use of the loan to buy. I mean, we had Jimenez and Dentonk uh, and Johnny all on loan to buys. They did brilliantly, and we bought them, and that was good business for the club. Um, the only credible player transfer rumor that I've actually seen was on the Telegraph website the other week, and it was for one of the um, Red Bull Salzburg uh, forwards. I think he's a Korean international, and his name eludes me at the moment. But I just thought that he, that makes a lot of sense. Because I know Fosen, our owners, are keen to do, um, you know, bring in players from the Far East and, and, and you know, enhance the, the club's brand out there. And he's obviously, his stock has risen because Salzburg had a great season in the Champions League. So I can see that happening. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think they'll just, they're already talking about centre-half as cover because obviously we've missed Willy Bolly. Hopefully he won't be out for too long in the new year. But, um, but yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I couldn't tell you if it was, if it would be loan or permanent. It's just, you've, it's just so difficult. The transfer market to me just seems really, really competitive and really difficult to actually get good players. Um, it, you know, all the, all the top teams, top teams in the top half of the Premier League and even the bottom half, they're competing for very similar pools of players. Um, so you just get them in, however you can get them, you know, on whatever terms possible. But um, I would like to see us bring in one or two for sure. Well, here's my offer is one Foyth is apparently questioning his long-term future at Tottenham because he's missing minutes. I'll, I'll, we'll loan you a one Foyth there for, for the second half of the season. Oh, oh thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Very generous of you. Player yeah, couldn't no get in your team today as we uh, steamroller <laughs> through your midfield. But, uh We'll take him. We'll, uh, but to be fair, he's a good young. He's the kind of profile of player. You know, he's a young player. Yeah. He's versatile. That is the profile of player Nuno likes. He wants a small squad with players who can occupy multiple positions, and that allows him, you know, rotation. And that's that's another reason Wolves have probably been successful. Going back to your previous question, mm. you know, we lost Willy Bolly, and we were able to put 
then Donker into the back three and, mm-hmm. and act. And we've actually improved the team in some ways because our distribution's better from the back. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, a player even like Foyth, you know, someone who's young, got potential to improve and can play in multiple positions. We might take him and make a player of him. Yeah, well, you heard it here first. We've agreed the deal. Um, yeah. We are as friendly as uh, Mourinho and yeah. Spirito Santo are. Uh, with all of their weird compliments in their pre-match pressers and indeed the post-match ones again. Although Mourinho did question his ability as a goalkeeper, but we won't go, we won't go there. Well, I think it's pretty, it's well known he was racked off as a goalkeeper. I don't, yeah. I don't think anyone would uh, <laughs> would argue that. I think he was picky. I think he was cheating a living there, but he's a very good coach, so he can yes. uh, sleep well at night with him. <laughs> indeed, and he did highlight the fact that he is a much better manager. Um, all right, now we will head into Player Watch, where we're going to be discussing a player who you have been most pleasantly surprised by this season. Jake, we'll start with you in Newcastle. Yeah, I think it's got to be um, it's got to be Kira Clark for me. Um, the start of the season, he was being shipped around Championship clubs looking for um, looking for a transfer away. Uh, he decided we decided we could sell him in the end. I think it had to do with um, Lejeune being slower to come back um, and a few doubts about Dummett as a centre back, meaning that we need to keep him. He eventually got into the team, uh, stayed in the team, um, apart from his recent injury. Uh, and he has looked pretty solid at uh, Premier League level. He hasn't made many mistakes. He's he scored a few goals. Um, he's added a bit of leadership. So I think that the fact that he started the uh, season as sixth-choice centre-back and is now, or for at least for a period, got into the team was, was quite impressive. Um, and he couldn't really fault anything that he did on the pitch either. Uh, I think that... Um, there's a few more you could probably talk about. You could probably talk about Shelby's resurgence has been quite impressive and unexpected at the same time. Fernandez in a similar manner. Um, it seemed it seemed like we've got a squad that that although we don't have many standout players, the drop off in quality when you get below the starters isn't too much, especially at the back. I think that that's definitely be true. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a few surprises but I think for me the Clark has been it's been the main one yeah uh, for Wolves probably not a great surprise to know it's going to be a Dharma Traore um, I think the rest of our squad were pretty consistent and predictable in their performances they hit a level last season they generally maintained that or got a little bit better in some cases this season but Traore was in and out of the team last season couldn't get the minutes on the pitch Um there was Nuno made a big call in the summer to get rid of Ivan Cavallero and Helder Costa, and that kind of opened the door. Traore tried him at right wing back for a while when Doherty was out, which I think had mixed results. Um, but since we've we've shifted back to playing the three up front, and and him and Jota either side of um, Jimenez, he's been a revelation. I mean, he's he's unstoppable. He's unplayable. Um, he's made mincemeat of of so many fullbacks this season. I mean. The, the tackles going in on him today, I mean, you know, you've highlighted it, Kev. I mean, Kane, Dyer, Vatonga, they all hatchet jobs on him. You know, all understandable fouls because you can't let the bloke gallop away from you and, and, and make progress. But they have to do that because you simply can't get the ball off him. Um, and, he, you know, the end product is there. The two goals that the Etty had, the missile today, he's set up quite a few in the Europa League. And you can just see his brain is ticking over all the time. He's he's not just getting the ball and head down, aim for the corner flag every time. He's uh, Sometimes he holds the ball. Sometimes he just plays a little passing field. 
And, you know, to, the, the benefit he's getting from playing with people like Martinho, I mean, Martinho today was absolutely giving him grief over not coming for a short corner and not being switched on. You know, that that kind of, you know, um, mentality and, and, and the the learning he's getting from that, you can just see it's coming into his game. So he's a very formidable uh, player. And if he stays fit for the rest of the season, uh, I've no doubts we're going to be in the top half and uh, hopefully pushing those top six, seven you know, places again as we were last year. Yeah, also, uh, Thomas, not to get go off script too much, but I've just seen a couple of uh, rumors floating about, about Nuno being approached about the Arsenal job again, although they claim that he has no interest in discussing with them. What What is your fear level that he could leave midseason? For me, it's around zero or one. It's just impossible to know, isn't it? I mean, the, the problem is he doesn't... He, do, he treats the press with such complete disdain that he he won't answer any question about anything. He doesn't want to give anything away. So he's never going to be the kind of manager who go, I'm happy here or, um, you know, otherwise. So I, it's impossible to know. I mean, if they, if Arsenal came out and said, we want you as manager, do you want to come? I couldn't answer that question. I think you just have to try and look at it objectively. My view would be that we're obviously a club that are trying to, achieve the same things that Arsenal are trying to achieve because Arsenal aren't going to win the title anytime soon. They might, if they're very cute in their business and what they do, reignite a challenge for the top four. But they're, they're certainly not a, a better team than Wolves now. They've, they've got some good individuals and they have the potential to be go up that level. They're a bigger club in terms of stadium and infrastructure and fan base, so maybe that would be appealing um, but I don't think Nuno would have things all his own way in the same way that he has at Wolves. I mean, the club is built around him, really. Um, so I'd be surprised if he suddenly turned around and said, yeah, I quite fancy giving it a go at Arsenal. I'm off, lads. Um, but I don't think I'd say zero because you just can never second-guess a manager. You can never second-guess money um, and, and, and external influences, you know, um, if you know, he's obviously takes a lot of advice from George Mendes. And if Mendes had an agenda that he wanted to insert someone at Arsenal, you know, that that could come into it. So I, I have no idea. But I'd say a low, a low fear that he'll go. And I don't think the Arsenal fans want him, which is stupid because I think he's exactly the kind of coach <laughs> that they need if they were prepared to give him the time. Um, and the resources to do what he did because he will build that team from the back, which no Arsenal manager seems capable of doing. Um, so yeah, I'd say I'd say low low fear at the moment. But uh, you know, there's always a fear because when you've got a good asset, whether it's a player or a manager, he will be coveted. As Jake will know, when Rafa was at uh, Newcastle and any top job came up, he was linked. So um, it's uh, I'll take it as a you know a compliment of, of what we've been able to do. Gotcha. Well, thank you for going on that brief jaunt with me. Uh, now we'll move on to match previews, where we'll talk about the upcoming matches for our clubs. Uh, we'll start with you, Jake. Newcastle hosting Crystal Palace. Their defense have been very strong. Haven't played yet this week, of course, as we record. What do you think we'll see in that match? Yeah, so this is going to be probably one of the worst matches <laughs> played this season following the uh, Burnley-Newcastle game. Which Palace, is a contender uh, itself. Yep, exactly. Palace has scored 40 goals for 60 games. Newcastle has got 70 goals for 70 games. Two worst attacks in the league, barring Watford, 
So it's not going to be a free-flowing goal-scoring affair. Uh, I really wouldn't be surprised if this was a nil-nil. Really would surprise me. Um, I think a lot depends on who we've got back. If we've got Shelby and Alba on back at home, I'd be a little bit more confident. Um, Is Alba on any good, Jay? Because I just every time I see Alma on, I think that bloke's too lightweight. He's not going to cut the mustard. You know, I just he, he seems maybe it's confidence, but. I don't think he's up to it. Do you, you think he's going to come good? I I still do, but he, he is very frustrating. And I think that it's been a spiral of, um, it's, he hasn't quite, it hasn't quite clicked for him, but I, I think you can see the promise there when, when you do watch him regularly. Um, I think especially last season when he was alongside Rondon and Perez, he, he looked really good uh, before his injury and a sort of sliding doors moment on his debut. He, he you know, he, went on a really nice run, chipped the keeper and hit the crossbar against Huddersfield. If that goes in, maybe it's a completely different story. Um, definitely looks like a side indoors moment now, considering he still hasn't scored a goal for us. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, City got his first assist, so at least he's got that. He's, he's lively. Um, and I think that he's still young. I, I think we're, we're playing him out, out of position, which is not useful for him. Um, I think he's playing alongside Joel Linton, uh, a striker that doesn't... Doesn't look comfortable in the, in the lone striker role. He looked he, he had a, a lot better relationship with Rondon uh, last season. That they seem to mm. produce some quite good interplay. So I think I still think it's he, he's it's obviously not gone well for him. But I don't think we've got anybody really any better at this point. And I think that he's got the potential to go on and 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 be better. But I think he just needs that one thing to go in. But you know we've been saying that for months now, and maybe that thing one thing is never going to go in, and it's just going to you know, turn out to be a bit of a bad signing, but I, I think he's, I think he's, he's got the potential, but then there's only so long you can say that. Um, it doesn't help that he's playing in the most offensive team in the league. So when he does have a chance, it's probably going to be his only chance. So then it, it, it's sort of a spiral. The, the confidence thing is definitely true. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it helps that he get, he has so many, he has so few chances. Um, and I think maybe. Now the fact he hasn't scored has become sort of like a monkey on his back and, and he's trying too hard to, to push it off. I think the one thing I'd say about Alvaro when I watch him, it looks like he does everything a second too quick. He, he's mm. he's very quick when he's running. He's, he, he can sort of beat most players for pace, but he, he does seem to do everything a little bit too quick. And if he gave himself maybe an extra second to think about what he should do when he has the ball in the final third and when he's got a chance, he'd probably be better for it. But... I think, you know, for a player coming over from North America, you've got to give them a little bit more time. When we get to January, you'd been here a year then, and, and maybe the excuses become a little fewer then. But I think with the absence of St. Maxwell, he's probably our best hope for, to create chances anyway. So I, I understand. I, I get why why you might think he's not that great, and, and, and it might still come out that he's not that great, but... I've seen flashes from him, and I just hope that when one thing happens, it will just flow for him. But yeah, it's it's frustrating. But um, if he's back on Saturday, I think he's got he's got the potential to cause Palace a few problems. I think Shelby especially does. He's seems to be in the form of his life at the moment. So those two are back, um, and you know we're at home. We've got a pretty decent record. I don't think we've lost at home since the first day of the season. So. Yeah, I think I think we've got a chance. Um, we've got a chance to win if those two are back, but without knowing if they are back or not, I'm going to go for a nil-nil draw in, in what was going to be an awful game. 
All right, so we'll be sure to stay clear of that one in terms of matches we watch next week. Are you expecting anything better from yours, Thomas, when you travel to face Norwich? Uh, well, if we play as well as we did today and we control the game, then I think we, we can rightly hope to get a positive result at Carrow Road. Um, but as Jake has said, they are a very unpredictable team. Impossible to know what what they're going to what they're going to be like because they can give you a very stern test as they did against Leicester and they beat Man City, obviously, or they can just fold up like a deck chair, which they have done on several occasions. So I don't know what kind of Norwich it's a game I'm nervous about because after Norwich, we've got um, Man City at home and Liverpool away within the space of two days um, over Christmas. So that's Merry Christmas to us. Um, So I would like to get a result because obviously having lost today, you know, we've gone, just gone on an 11 match and beaten run. But if we lose to Norwich, we could be staring down the barrel of four straight defeats. And um, obviously, I don't want that. So, uh, you know, hoping for a draw at the very least. But realistically, we're good enough to go there and, and, and win. Um, but I am fearful of Norwich. So I'll predict us to win. But I'm also nervous because I don't know. <laughs> I've got no idea about what kind of Norwich team is going to turn up and what performance they're, they're capable of producing. They do seem to be quite random, although when things go well, it's almost exclusively because of Buendia or Pukki. Uh, but yeah. yeah, we'll obviously see how that one turns out as well. That will do it for us today, though. So if you'd like to tell folks where they could find you or anything you're working on, now would be a good time. Yeah, cheers for listening. You can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. Right for EPL Index, also feature on the Championship Show. I think we're going to do something tomorrow night, so that should be out the day following the this show coming out if that makes sense so give that one listen when it comes out yeah thanks for having me on guys as always um you can find uh, me uh, thomas on uh, wolvesblog.com where we're gonna have a lot of posts over christmas we've got a lot of games we do previews before the matches so if your team is playing wolves it's worth logging on and uh, getting the wolves perspective on your team um but other than that just uh, business as usual awesome well thanks so much guys it was a pleasure as always And we hope you keep listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 